God's word that we meditate on this morning is our epistle lesson from 1 Thessalonians. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that those that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. It's Ben Franklin who has been quoted in saying, Nothing is certain in life except death and taxes. You could challenge the taxes one if you'd want to. I, I don't recommend it, but you could give it a shot. But death is most certainly certain, isn't it? We can't evade it. It permeates every part of our life, doesn't it? Every day we're reminded that death is inevitable. And it's not just for the non-Christians, right? I mean, Christians too face death, lose loved ones. We too face that inevitable enemy. And every day you're reminded of it. Right? Every day you turn on the news and you see the updated COVID numbers. And you hear about the accidents that take people's lives and you hear about the shootings. You see death out there in the world. Sometimes it's even closer to home, isn't it? You feel it when you get up in the morning, don't you? You feel the aching, creaking bones that don't want to move in the morning. You look in the mirror, there's another gray hair. Another wrinkle you didn't see before. And then there's those times when you have to stand over a casket. Over the lifeless body of someone you love. And know that person's no longer here. Death affects every single one of us, no matter who you are. Death does not discriminate. It's a reality of living in a sinful, broken, fallen world. And we all have to face it. None of us are immune to it. But there is one big difference. You can split the world in two groups of people. Right? We all grieve. We all have to deal with the effects of death in our lives. But there are those who grieve because they don't understand. There are those who grieve 
who think that you can't really know what happens after the grave. There are those who grieve, who just hope maybe they got it right. There are those who grieve, who think there's nothing after the grave. They grieve without hope. And then you've got the other people in the world. Those who grieve. Those who are saddened by loss. Those who have to feel that effect of missing people they love. Those who have donated carnations here this morning to remember those who have gone ahead of them into heaven. There are those who grieve, but yet they grieve with hope. Because they know that this life is not it. They know that there is something after the grave. They know with certainty what happens when our bodies stop breathing or that day when Jesus will come back. And that's what the Apostle Paul is writing about in this section of his letter to those Christians in Thessalonica. He wants them to make sure they remember that they are different than the rest of the world. That they grieve, but they grieve with hope. And so do we. Listen again to Paul's words to us. He says, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. We're not quite sure what was going on here in Thessalonica. What was it that Paul had to write them about? What were they uninformed about? There's another translation that, that actually says that they were ignorant about something. They, had, they were misunderstood about something. And we don't really quite know what that is. It, it could be that, that they thought that those who died before the last day wouldn't have a bodily resurrection, that, that their bodies were dead in the ground and they couldn't be raised again. Or it might have been that they were thinking that death was just the end. <laughs> that there was nothing past the grave. Nothing after this life. We don't quite know what their misunderstanding was. But we know why Paul writes. Paul is not saying that you shouldn't be sad when you lose somebody you love. He isn't saying that that loss doesn't hurt and that doesn't continue to go with you throughout this life, right? That that's a hole in your life that just can't be filled by anyone else. We grieve, but we grieve with hope, Paul says. We grieve differently than the rest of the world. And what makes us different? What gives us that hope? He goes on to say in verse 14, he says, For we believe... That Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Friends, our hope that we grieve with is the hope that life after this one doesn't depend on us at all. That where we go after this life, what is going to happen to us does not depend on what we do in this life, but it depends completely on another. Because we believe that Jesus died and rose again. We believe that we have a substitute and a Savior who faced death head on for us. Who went to a cross 
bearing the weight of the world's sins, your sins and mine, and took that curse and that punishment upon himself so that we would never have to face it. Jesus died so that when our time comes or the time of our loved ones come to face death, there's nothing to fear. Because death has been defeated. Death has been conquered. The sting of death has been removed. Because on that cross, that curse was paid for. On that cross, our Savior Jesus was forsaken, so we would never have to know what that feels like to be forsaken by our Heavenly Father. He suffered the very fires of hell on that cross so that we would never have to taste that for a moment. We believe that Jesus died and then he rose again. That he did not stay dead. That though his spirit left his body, that spirit came back and he rose bodily from that grave on Easter Sunday. Which is our proof that what he did on Good Friday on Golgotha is good and it's done and it's complete. That resurrection from the dead that we believe in is our proof that death has really been defeated. That death cannot even hold us. That because he lives, we too shall live. As Jesus said to Martha, that he is the resurrection and the life, that, that he who believes in me will live even though he dies. Friends, for a Christian, we never really die. Our bodies maybe stop breathing. But we us get to live forever. We have the promise that because Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. The promise that there is something after the grave. That we will be with Jesus. Friends, that's why we grieve at the loss of our loved ones. But we grieve with hope. Because Jesus died and Jesus rose again and we believe that Jesus promises to bring those who have fallen asleep in him to himself. Notice already twice in here how Paul has referred to death. He calls it a sleep. Those who have died have fallen asleep. And I don't know about you, but I don't fear going to sleep. I, by usually six o'clock in the evening, I'm looking forward to my bed. Right? I can't wait to go to sleep, right? And, and for a Christian, for you and, and, and for your, those who have gone ahead of you, death doesn't have to be feared. You can fear the grave as little as you fear your bed. It's falling asleep. And it's awaking. Awaking. Friends, that's why we grieve as we deal with death and suffering and struggle with sin and see the effects of all of us all around us. We grieve in this world, but yet we continue to grieve with hope because we know this is not it. We know that through this Jesus, there's something greater and better and eternal waiting for us. Paul's not done yet. He's got some more encouragement for us as we grieve with hope. He says in verse 15, he says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, and with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are left, and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Paul here, kind of right in the middle of this paragraph, just says, you know, just don't take my word for it. I'm not just giving you this pep talk to say, hey, you can struggle through this life. You're going to be okay. He says, according to the Lord's word. That these are the very words of God himself. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. The words of a faithful and true God whose promises are never broken. Don't take my word for it. Listen to God, the Holy Spirit himself. This is what's going to happen. Without a doubt. He says that there are going to be some of us who are going to still be here on this earth when the last day happens. That we will not face a physical death. But when Jesus comes back, he says, we're going to see his coming. And his second coming is going to be much different than his first coming. You remember that one? It was pretty quiet. It was pretty humble. Born as a baby. The birth announcement to a few lowly shepherds out in the field. That is not how the second coming is going to be. Paul's led by the Spirit. It says, The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. It's going to be an event that every eye sees in a moment. It's going to be something grand and something glorious for believers. We're going to hear the trumpet call. We're going to hear the voice of the archangel. On that last day, that second coming, when he returns again. And what's going to happen on that day? Paul says there's two things here he mentions that are going to happen. Number one, he says that we are going to be caught up together with those who have fallen asleep. Though those who have died already, their bodies are going to be raised and their souls and bodies reunited. And we who are still alive will be caught up in the air with them. On that last day, we will be gathered together again. And friends, this is, this is a promise here that, that brings many people comfort as they grieve the loss of their loved ones. That someday we'll be reunited with those that we remember today. The saints triumphant. Right, right now, we are the saints militant, we refer to ourselves as. We are those who are already washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. We are saints, we are holy in God's sight, but yet... We're saints militant. We're still in the warfare. We haven't won yet. Right? We're still waiting for that crown of life. We're still waiting for that final victory in heaven. But we, the saints militant, are going to be joined together with those saints triumphant. We're going to be caught up together in the air. We're going to enjoy the presence of God together. We're going to be reunited. And doesn't that bring us comfort? To know we will get to see our loved ones again. And not just our loved ones, but, but all believers gathered together before the throne. All believers from every nation and tribe and language and people gathered together as the saints triumphant. What a glorious day that's going to be. But the second thing that Paul talks about that's going to happen on that last day is even grander and more wonderful. Yes, we're going to see our loved ones again. Yes, we're going to be reunited. We're going to be united with all believers in Jesus Christ forever. But, as much as I long to see you in heaven, 
as much as I look forward to seeing my loved ones who have gone ahead of me, I love you, but there's someone else I want to see first. Paul writes that we will be with the Lord forever. That we're going to get to be with the Lord himself. That we're going to get to see him with our own eyes. That you're going to get to meet Jesus. You're going to get to look him in the face. You're going to get to, to see those nail marks in his hands and his feet and see where that spear went in and aside for you to see those marks of his love so that you could be there with him. Friends, I don't know about you, but that's the thing that brings me the greatest joy and the greatest hope. That we will get to see God. That we'll get to be in his presence forever and with the saints and with the angels worship and praise him. As that Lamb of God sits at the center on that throne to worship him forever. Friends, that's what gives us hope. To know that we will get to see God with our own eyes. And along with Job to say that I know that my Redeemer lives. And that, that in the end, He will stand upon the earth and, and I will get to see Him. Even after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my own flesh, with my own eyes, I will get to see Him. How my heart yearns within me. And friends, don't our hearts yearn and burn for that day. To be part of that saint's triumphant, but to be in the presence of God forever. Friends, this is what we have to look forward to. And we pray, Lord, keep us to that end. Continue to keep us strong in these truths. Because we need this encouragement, don't we? The Bible gives us these pictures of heaven that we can't really begin to understand, right? It, it often talks in negative sense, right? What's not going to be there? What is not going to be like? But we do know what is going to be there. There's a, a, a pastor who had a member of his who was struggling with life after death and, and what the Bible said about it and, and just was, was having trouble believing these things. And, and so th this member went to see his pastor at his home office, and they were sitting in his office. And, and as they were talking, and, and the pastor was sharing scripture with him and talking to him about it, the man could hear outside the door a little dog whimpering and scratching. But the pastor kind of just ignored it, just kept on going. But after a while, that pastor got up and he opened the door and that dog ran bolting in that room. The pastor sat back down and he jumped right back up on his lap and he was content at peace, fell asleep. The pastor said to his member, he said, you know what? This is the first time my dog has ever been in this room. He's never been in my office before. He had no idea what it even looked like inside here what it was going to be like inside this room. But it didn't matter because he knew I was in here. Friends, we get these beautiful pictures of heaven and what it's going to be like. But isn't it what brings us the most comfort and the most joy is that we will get to be with God. That we get to hear his voice right now and know that we will get to see him with our own eyes and enjoy his peace and his presence forever. How our hearts yearn within us for that day. And that we need to be encouraged with these words continually, don't we? That's why Paul ends this section. He says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Because while we get a little foretaste of the heavenly banquet here when we gather together, 
right, as we hear the word and receive the sacrament. Yet we got to go back out. You're going to have to go today, okay? You're going to have to leave. <laughs> and you go back out into a world of death, struggle, with sin and temptation. Those constant reminders of death are going to be all around you every day. And so we need to encourage each other with these words. We need to continue to point each other to that hope that we have in Jesus Christ alone. That yes, we grieve, and yes, we mourn the loss of our loved ones. Yes, we lament at the state of the world and the death and decay that we see all around us. We still are walking through this veil of tears. We still are in this valley of the shadow of death. But we encourage one another with these words. These good words of a Savior that give us hope, that give us peace, that give us that promise that one day our hope will be replaced. It'll be replaced with a reality. God, keep us to the end. Amen. Please stand.